and we are back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Chewing the Fat. I am your host, Johnny, as you know. We are halfway through the second season already. This is episode five. And um, I haven't done one alone for a while. So I figured I would treat you to uh, an episode where I'll just be having a conversation with myself, essentially. And you folks can listen on in. And if you agree with some of the points, great. If you don't, great. That's the whole point. This is just uh, an expression of opinion. My lovely dog is wandering around, so you might hear her pitter-patter. God bless her soul. Now, this week's episode is, um, is one that I've been wanting to talk about, but... I didn't really know where to start. Um, We're going to be talking about COVID. Now, before we begin, I want you to keep in mind, now, I am not a politician. I am not a virologist. I am not, um, by any stretch of the the word, um, a professional educator. But what I am is a human being, and I'm a human being with a voice, and as most of you will know by now, I sure should have an opinion on a lot of things. And let's start by talking about how, bless you, how COVID has negatively impacted my life. Now, I'm sure I'm positive that I had the virus at one point I want to say it was back in early February I'm one of those people I don't get sick very often I'll get sick three or four times a year maybe but when I do holy fuck do I ever turn into an absolute fucking baby usually it's you know unless it's food poisoning or something it'll be a 24 48 hour bug then I'm back up on my feet and I'm good to go Now, there was a point in February where I was bedridden. You know, I had the sweats, I had the chills, I had the shits, I had a sore throat. I had a whole bunch of these symptoms that people are saying that that's COVID. Um, And I was in bed for like three days. Like I never miss work. I'm, I'm allergic to missing work. I like to, I like to, I like to fucking make money. So and I, uh, I couldn't go to work for a couple of days. So I'm sure that I had it. And I don't have any underlying health conditions. I don't have any autoimmune disease, diseases or severe deficiencies or anything in my family history that I'm aware of that could attribute to, you know, me not being able to handle this particular virus. For me, it was like a really bad flu or a really bad cold. Now, I understand that there are people out there who are affected much worse by it physically in terms of health. And there are people, I heard stories of people saying that, fuck, I've had hangovers that were worse. And these were the people who tested positive, like legitimately tested positive for COVID saying, oh, I've had hangovers that were worse than that. And I'm not going to downplay this disease. Sorry, this virus. But what my issue is, is the way that this has been handled 
has completely obliterated any trust that I had left for essentially our governing bodies. The people we turn to for security, information, and um, protection. It seems that every day or every other day, we're getting contradicting statistics or contradicting data. And I, I, it's not that I'm sick of hearing about COVID. It's just I really, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of you out there who feel the same way. I really have no idea who the fuck to trust anymore. Like, I don't trust even, even the data that you can look up online from quote-unquote reliable sources, whether it be the CDC or the WHO or Ontario Health, whatever, whatever <clears throat> you look into for your own personal research, I don't even believe that anymore. And I just really think that we've been led, misled, and misinformed so many times over the last, whatever, seven, eight months regarding this whole thing that it's just, I'm fucking sick of that. I want this to be over, not just because of my income, but because of my mental health. Yes, my physical health as well, but because of my mental health, I want to, I want to speak to that. So I have a friend, very good friend back home in Ottawa. And she posted something on her Facebook. I'm going to read it for you. And then I'm going to, I'm also going to read what inspired this. Then we're going to really dive into it. People constantly feel the need to let me know we are in this together. If you have a job, we are not in this together. If you've collected a salary this entire pandemic, we are not in this together. If your entire industry hasn't been decimated, we are not in this together. If you are confident about when your next day of work will be, we are not in this together. COVID has changed the hospitality and beverage industry for the foreseeable future. Many are left with no pay and no way to pivot unless we choose another career path or take on a job we don't look forward to every day. This is the reality of many of my colleagues and myself. I want nothing less than having no other option than Daddy Trudeau. We are all frustrated, but we are not all in this together. Give us proof for these restrictions. Now, obviously, this person works in hospitality. This person is a bartender. This person is a career bartender. And she's right. The biggest thing about what's going on right now with these closures and you know the 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 kids who got shit on like the bastard stepchilds bastard stepchild in this whole thing is the restaurant industry and the fitness industry the whole fact that restaurants are shut indoor dining is shut patios are still okay but we're in fucking canada and I'm specifically in Toronto. Like, it's not fun to be on a fucking patio in October, November. That's, you know, it's cold. So restaurants, indoor dining is closed, but malls are open. I can understand grocery stores. It's a necessity. But gyms are closed. 
Schools are open. I understand education. It is a necessity. It is very, very important. But the whole thing about the spiking numbers and all these cases that are being severely pointed at restaurants and bars and gyms without any actual hard data it doesn't make any fucking sense i want to read something else that this person also sent to me um written by someone else on the facebook and i mean take these all with a grain of salt take them for what you will but i mean these are particular things that resonate with me and i found this extremely interesting Have a listen. Take a journey with me. This person writes, As I walk into the grocery store with 30 other people at the same time, I think about my restaurant, which allows parties of six total and meticulously spaces out places at six feet apart. As a business, we will not allow guests who do not cover their nose, mouth, and chin while not sitting at their designated seat as per the bylaw in place of our region. As I check out at the cashier, I use my debit card to pay and see the plastic film covering the terminal. It was not sanitized after the person before me used it. I am reminded of the sanitizer used on the debit terminals in between each guest every time at my restaurant. As I stand at a crowded exit trying to leave, I'm reminded of the detailed contact tracing in place at my restaurant that records the name, phone number, table number, arrival and exit time, as well as the server and section the guests sat in that is in place at my restaurant. Not one of those pieces of information was taken from any customer here. As I get into my car and watch all these people leave the store, I wonder which person will visit my establishment after contracting COVID at this grocery store, and I wonder why on earth my restaurant will be blamed as the source. Restaurants are being targeted as the source of COVID infections because we are one of the only industries required to provide contact tracing. Someone with COVID could have gone to Ikea, Home Depot, the mall food court, shoppers, any grocery store, etc. Yet it's the restaurant that took their detailed information that will be forced to close and deemed responsible for the infection. You want to blame restaurants for the spread after thousands of dollars investing in equipment, training, and stricter policies than anywhere else? Prove it. Now, holy fucking shit. I mean, I don't think this person could have made it any clearer. And I mean, I know that there were multiple reasons why a lot of us, especially in the bar business, are pissed off and frustrated. But this really lays it out black and white. Now, I'm going to repeat. I understand that grocery stores and drugstores are absolutely fucking imperative people need to eat people need access to to food nutrition medications absolutely 
So if your argument is going to be, well, we, we need that. We need them open. Like, we, you know, society needs them open. Okay, cool. Fine. Fair. I will give you that. But instead of grocery store, let's change it to shopping mall. Shopping malls are still open. And not that I've been going to any because I'm not really a mall person. But I've been out shopping. And whether it be to go to the LCBO or to go to a Foot Locker or to go wherever. No, they're not taking information. They're not sanitizing these pin pads. And I mean, especially if you want to talk about clothing stores, you know, those big piles of clothes, like the big tables, the display tables, and you got to dig underneath to find your size. And then it's a fucking mess. And then the employee comes around and refolds everything. How many pairs of hands do you think have touched that pile of clothes during that business day? Reduce capacity or not. How many pairs of hands do you think have touched those clothes that you're also touching? And obviously they're not being sanitized in between each customer. And I mean, I know even standing in line at the bank, they have the stickers on the floor, you know, keep six feet apart. Is anyone actually doing it? No. Someone pulls their mask down to talk to the teller. Is anyone going to get reprimanded? No. At the bars and restaurants I worked at, I work currently a little bit, obviously, with incredibly reduced hours and capacity. Someone even stood up without their mask on. Holy shit, you better believe we are all over them. It's a policy, it's a policy, it's a policy. And I don't agree with the policy. I don't think we should be wearing masks at all. You can agree or disagree. That's fine. But the fact is, I will enforce this policy because it means me keeping my job. And to have all these people walking around free to go in and out of stores, exchanging currency, which is fucking filthy, using those debit machine terminals, which is fucking filthy. People still being able to use ATMs which are fucking filthy. Like it's, it just seems completely ridiculous. And we haven't even talked about gyms yet. My condo gym, which is a private gym, has also been shut down as of October, whatever it was, October 9th or October 10th at 12.01 a.m. As per Ontario, they had to shut the doors. And this is a private gym. We already had a rule in the gym before all this that there was no more than five people allowed in the gym because of safety issues, overcrowding, hygiene, body odor. And I mean, as our little micro society in our condo complex or in my building, we respected that. It's just putting a little bit of faith in, in humanity and mankind. And the regulations and the policies that I've watched my my managers and the general managers and the owners coming down hard on any employee or any customer that failed to comply with them. They like these people were on top of their shit for the most part. There are some restaurants that didn't give a shit. I could name a few, especially on King West. 
but I'm not going to fucking bother. That's not what this episode is about. This episode is more about my frustration and, and confusion as so many, so many people are, feel, uh, so many people are feeling. <clears throat> so I just really don't understand why the malls, the clothing stores, the grocery store, fucking airplanes, you can fly again. I don't care if it's just local flights. I don't care if everyone's wearing a mask. You're essentially packed into a sardine can, breathing recirculated air at 30,000 feet. How is that safer than a little mom and pop bistro with six tables that is barely able to pay the rent? And then because of this, especially because of the second wave lockdown a lot of these places that we love and adore are closing families are being impoverished decimated people are being forced to look for work elsewhere in fields that they wouldn't necessarily ever want to work in and i mean i know bartenders i mean i've been doing this for jesus christ for the better part of 18 years and yeah, the money is great. The social aspect is awesome, you know, but it's an extremely stressful job. And a lot of people choose to do it as a career. Like this is, this is, this is what we know. This is what we do. Like I couldn't, I couldn't sit at a desk doing a nine to five, or I had no desire to be a mechanic or I didn't have the grades to be a teacher. I mean, it's not just that a lot of people don't have any other option. A lot of us choose to do this because it's what we do. It's what we're good at. And, you know, it's one thing for just us employees who are getting paid. Like I was really lucky. I was really lucky that my landlord, she reached out to me when this thing happened. And then when the second wave happened again to, to reduce my rent, she didn't have to do that. And I know that she is an absolute 0.1 percenter in terms of landlords. My landlord is an absolute fucking saint. And I mean, I'm thinking about all my friends and coworkers that have had to either skip paying their rent or fuck up their credit, maxing out their cards, have had to move back home. I've spoken to a few people who have had to move back home or back in with their parents or get into some situation where a few people are sharing an apartment just because no one can afford to live. And it's just, it's just not fair. Think of how many restaurants, local restaurants, small restaurants that you know that have had to shut their doors permanently because of all this. If it's affecting some of the bigger places, I can only imagine what it's doing to the small places. At the base of my building, there was a fucking, there was a subway, like Subway Sandwiches. That's a subway. That's a massive franchise. That closed. Beside the subway, there was a little, um, I believe she was Korean, a seamstress. She'd been there for, I think it was 13, 13 years, 11 years, 13 years, I can't remember. She closed permanently so it's the franchises now not just the mom and pops that are getting shut down and i mean for a lot of the big places they'll recoup 
Like they don't, it doesn't fucking matter. It's money. But for a lot of the, a lot of the, the places that this is, they rely on this as their livelihood. And they've been doing this for years to have it all of a sudden be ripped out, slammed on the brakes, have your entire life and foreseeable future completely thrown in the dark. And a bunch of people want to say we're all in this together. You've got your fucking Uber Eats. You've got, you know, (laughs) you've got your Amazon Prime. Like there's, you've got your income still. We're not all in this together. All right, I got my joint now. A little more calm. Let's talk a little more shit, okay? Let's talk a little more shit. So, I think one thing that should be incredibly obvious is that, you know, there's these these spikes. There's these spikes in cases over the last... What has it been? Like three weeks. Record highs. When now everyone and their fucking mother is getting tested. So, I mean, it's basic math would tell us that if there is going to be more people getting tested, then there will be more cases. The same thing is if, if everyone took an IQ test, we discover there are a lot more fucking idiots or a lot more intelligent people. Like, I mean, the more people that are being engaged in any sort of test you will have more numbers and once again i'm not saying i'm not downplaying this virus i'm not saying that it's harmless obviously it's killing people people you know with congenital defects or immune deficiencies or greater risks for infection people don't have their spleens for example their immune immune system has been compromised um the elderly who are more liable to get sick and the extremely young, like babies who don't have the antibodies to fight off anything. And once again, I'll repeat, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a virologist. This is just a guy talking. But I find it so odd that for the governments and for the powers that be to see to say that we want like we want you to be healthy we need you to be healthy we need you to be safe but they're they're taking away means for us to be healthy and means for us to be safe and i mean once like i'll say it again gyms they're just as important for physical health as they are for mental health we're not doing that right now. And, um, you know, there's the whole argument that people love to make where it's just like, well, you know, you could do, why don't you do home workouts? If you work out at a gym, then you work out at home. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. But can be saying the same thing for you and your fucking Uber Eats or your McDonald's. You, you don't have to you don't have to order food or you don't have to go out for food. You can cook at home, right? 
you can make it at home. But Uber Eats is still going. You can still get your McDonald's. You can still get your Burger King. You can still get your fucking bubble tea. You can still get all your candy and shit delivered to you. How is that fucking healthy? So just the, the all around hypocrisy doesn't make any doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I mean, I've got a kid, I've got a son, beautiful ten year old, and he's in school. And my sister, God love her, is a teacher. She's in school. And speaking to both my sister and my son's mother and my son, schools aren't fucking safe. Schools are no safer than a bar or a restaurant or a mall or a grocery store or a clothing store or an airplane or a gym. You've got, especially elementary schools, High schools, kids are fucking disgusting regardless. But elementary schools, they're picking their nose, biting their nails, eating their boogers, rolling in dirt, spitting, screaming, yelling, chewing with their mouths open. Like, I mean, kids are disgusting. Touching doorknobs, wiping spit everywhere. Like, I mean, schools are essentially a fucking cesspool. And schools are open. And I'm not downplaying education. I know education is extremely important. I had my strengths in school. I had my weaknesses in school. Education is extremely important. And we can't have everyone stay home because parents got to go to work. I know the remote learning and remote work has made quite, um, has made quite a rise over all this just because, well, you know, kind of fucking have to. A lot of people are staying home. So I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying you're going to open schools and you're going to close gyms and bars and point a jagged fucking finger at, at us, at bars and restaurants and gyms saying that it's us, that it's us that is causing these increased numbers. That is us who are the ones who are responsible for the spread. Going back to what that person wrote, like we have your information like we're taking your information we know exactly when you were here and you know when you left and who was serving you and we have your phone number we've got more information than your fucking ikea who knows where you got covid essentially it's just like we're the like we're the final nail in the coffin we're the ones you know where you get caught And that we're the ones who are getting shit on. Like bartenders don't have, we don't have pensions. Most of us don't have fucking retirement plans. Even more of us don't have that much saved in the bank because most of us are fucking idiots with money. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be working. If you're a customer or if you're an employee, There has got to be at least one instance in your life as an adult going to a bar or a restaurant where you made a friend 
or you got some advice or you had someone, a stranger, that you could just talk to, whether it's your bartender or your server or someone you meet sitting beside you at the next table. And that's the kind of shit that is extremely beneficial to mental health. Bartenders are the most under, and servers are the most underpaid therapists on the fucking planet. My wage right now in Ontario is, is 12, minimum wage is about 12.45, 12.40, give or take. And we make tips, yeah, but tips aren't fucking guaranteed. And we are marriage counselors, we're relationship counselors, we're keeper of secrets, we're friends after a breakup, we're philanthropists, we're like, you know, we delve into philosophy. There are more things you can learn from a bartender who's been behind the fucking wood working the stick for 10 years than someone you may have known for 50. That goes back to your mental health. But bars are closed. Gyms. For a lot of people, the gym is not just about lifting weights or rolling out a yoga mat. For gyms, a lot of people, myself included, it's it's a safe space. Whether you go there and you and you socialize, you know, if you're the kind of person that can walk up to a stranger and be like, hey man, like, or excuse me, like could you give me a could you give me a spot? Or if you have a little gym group or a gym partner you go with, or even if you just want to go alone because that's your form of therapy. Why should that be taken away when gyms are, even the dirty gyms are more clean than the cleanest grocery stores or your average fucking gap? When I go to the gym for the hour, hour and a half that I'm there, it's me and my music and my weights and it gives it gives a sense of purpose it gives it, it gives a goal it, it, it works my body it works my mind it, it allows me to to focus on my breathing to maybe to think about an audition that's coming up or to think about a subject on my next episode of the podcast Either way, it, it, it puts me in a room where <laughs> where I can focus and I can better my body and my mind. And yet that's been taken away. Look at the, um, I'm still shocked every day that I see it. Look at the outcry and uproar from fitness enthusiasts, gym owners, gym regulars, juice monkeys, and gym rats. Like, it's it, it's not just about, like, oh, like I, I gotta look good, I gotta look good. It's, motherfucker, I gotta feel good. That's just not, you know, 
doing biceps before a, before a, a night shift so your arms look good for the girls. That's, I need to release some stress and the place that I go to blow off some steam and to let it all out is the fucking gym. And that's been taken away. It's the whole thing with with the blame on bars and gyms and the, the closing. And the, the big thing is that we weren't even fucking warned. Like we got whatever Ford did his talk at like 11 o'clock or one o'clock, 11 a.m. or 1 p.m. I can't remember what it was. And it was for that night that at midnight doors were doors were shut in room dining is fucking finished we couldn't even plan anything so it all goes back to my loss of faith in the government and i mean you see some places um i think my mom was saying it was like durham county and a whole bunch of places in in quebec they're just either not going into a modified phase two like no we're not fucking do it or in quebec's cases i think it's um around 200 gym establishments are just going to be reopening. Like, fuck it. No, like we're going to open. And I love that shit. I think that's, I think that's bold. And I mean, I'm not a fucking anarchist. I'm not going to say that I'm completely anti-government, but I really, really do believe that we've been led astray and that we've been lied to. I'm not saying that this virus is nothing. I'm also not saying that it's, you know, a worldwide killer. Like, I mean, even if you believe the numbers, you have to look at them and say that, you know, the survival rate is like 99.96 or something ridiculous. And yet, gyms and bars are so closed down. Something that really is really fucked up um, is that we're losing more people now to to suicide and uh, you know, especially because of depression than fucking COVID. I bet if you were to look at the worldwide numbers over the last six months, I bet you there has been. I'm, I don't even. I won't. I won't say if there's been more. I'll say there has been more in the last two months. There's probably been more deaths in the last two months due to suicide um, than COVID. That's fucked up. And it just goes to show that I don't think that people's mental health is being taken into account through all this whole thing, especially by our governments and the powers that be. And it just makes you think right I mean if we're supposed to be trusting the people who are supposed to be making these big decisions for us and no matter who you talk to you're being lied to and how the fuck do we know who to vote in (laughs) how the hell do we know to vote for if everyone's full of shit (laughs) and I know that's a very pessimistic way or negative way of looking at it but it's I mean the more we're learning and the more that's being revealed to us I just think the more we realize that it's fucking bullshit and that's not the way I want to live my life you know
So I know this uh, this week's episode is not not at all what you guys are normally used to. It's nowhere near as high energy. Obviously, I'm doing this on my own. I'm doing a little bit more slower paced. Um, what we're gonna do is story time, and it kind of falls in line with the whole mental health and how important how important it is, and how. COVID is ruining just as many lives, you know, mentally as it is physically. This virus is ruining just as many people mentally as it is physically and killing just as many people mentally as it is physically. And I myself, in the last, just over the last two weeks, have lost two friends. Now, I'm not gonna be the guy that's like, oh, they were like, you know, I've known them for years. They were my best buddies. You know, we were super, super fucking tight. Neither of them were. One was um, a buddy that I have known for probably about 10 years. Not extremely close, but we worked together. We partied together. You know, we were friends. The other person, him and I, we worked, we worked together for an absolutely fucking chaotic six, I don't know, six months, seven months, give or take, maybe a little bit longer than that, but we would both been in the, in the Ottawa bar industry for years. We knew of each other. We had met plenty of times at golf tournaments and nights out on the bar, on the town, going to bars or I had gone to see him at his restaurants or he had been a customer of mine anyways. So the two gentlemen, one was Kevin and the other was Oz. Kev was the guy that we had known of each other for as long as we can fucking remember. If I've been bartending for 18 years, I probably knew about Kev for 15. And the other way around, Kev was a little bit older than I was. And um, he was, fuck, he was barely 50. And we lost him to a heart attack. Now, I mean, heart attack isn't COVID. But everyone has their demons and everyone likes to party and all that kind of shit. And Kev, Kev was a partier. Kev liked to party. And um, wasn't too great to his body. He was turning things around for a while. He was, as far as I knew, he was being very healthy. So I don't know what exactly happened, but we lost Kev during all this. Was it because he decided to turn back to something that he knew? Because, you know, a lifer in the restaurant industry had had essentially their livelihood taken away. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the details, but anything's a possibility. And we lost him. Now, the other guy, Oz. Oz, Oz, Oz. Oz and I, <laughs> two very different kinds of bartenders. Um, Oz, Oz was a flair guy. He was a cocktail guy. And he's one of these motherfuckers that could, you know, break, like blow fire. He breathed fire behind the bar and all that kind of shit. Like, I could never... 
I can't fucking juggle. Like I can make a cocktail. It's not my passion. I've always been the entertainer. I've always been, you know, the bar is a stage that you, I'll make you a, I'll make you a fucking vodka soda, but you're never going to forget me. That's my way of bartending. I like to give a show. It's, I like to entertain people. That's why I've been doing it for so long. And that's, you know, why being an actor was just always there ever since I was a kid. Obviously I wasn't bartending as a kid, but as soon as I started bartending, the acting thing really came out and I was just like, oh shit, I'm supposed to be entertaining motherfuckers. Okay, cool. Um, and Oz and I had known had worked together. We worked in a, in a bar in Hull called Addiction. It was this fucking sketchy French dance club and we had great times. We partied together and he was a fantastic guy. Oz was... Oz was my age. Oz is in his mid-30s. And this guy left Ottawa, went out west. And he ended up making a life for himself. Like, he got away from all the booze and the drugs and was making a life for himself. I mean... I think he was buying, like flipping, essentially flipping um, like dirt bikes, motorcycles, CDUs, cars, all that kind of shit. He would buy, repair, clean, put a little invest, and then sell them for more and make profit. And he was doing really well. Oz had a beautiful Corvette. He took his grandmother out for like offensively stunning and expensive dinners. He had the girls. He had the money. He Oz, Oz had it all. And I know had no idea that he had turned back to using again. It just seemed like he had everything figured out. Everything was awesome. And then um, and then he died of a heroin overdose like about a week ago. And once again, I don't know why he turned back, why he relapsed. I had no idea that he was even ever a heroin user. Um, but he relapsed and turned back and went to sleep and didn't wake up. Once again, I'm not saying that this was COVID, but I think there are a few more Kevins and Oz's around the world right now. And we really have to be figuring the fuck out what we're doing because we're losing a lot of good people. And it's because of these overdoses and these suicides and these deaths that just shouldn't be happening to good people during all this fucking lockdown and bullshit. So they were great guys. Um, So now... No more depressing stuff, no more sad stuff, no more real talk. This is going to be the point where I tell my mother to turn this episode off. Mom, please, for your own mental health, stop the episode now. Okay, now that she's gone, I am going to tell you guys about a story 
of one night. I think this was the last shift. This was the last shift I worked in Ottawa with Oz. I think I worked with him in in Hull after that at Addiction. But this was about this was about nine years ago, maybe eight years ago. I was in my I was in my mid late twenties. So I think I was like twenty seven. Not a kid, but still a fucking idiot bar star. And um, I was working. I was going to be working with Oz at a at a bar called The Drink on uh, on New York Street in Ottawa. Your standard nightclub. Now The Drink was owned by um, owned and operated by York Street. York is York Street managing bar managing hospitality group. They had a whole bunch of venues and all that kind of shit. And I was the GM at the time for one of their venues. Um, it was an, it was another nightclub that was open like two nights a week. So part of my salary, part of my contract, because it was such a shit, like a nightclub GM salary. You're only open a couple of nights a week, so your salary's gonna be fucking garbage. So my salary was absolute horseshit. And as a perk or as a benefit to tie into the salary to make sure that you're making money, like you got to bartend two nights a week at various venues within the company. That was to make your tips, to make up for the garbage bag. And one of my shifts that week was to work an event at the drink and it was a red light green light now for those of you who don't know what a red light green light party is it's essentially it's a party night where when you show up there are three different colored glow stick wristbands at the front door like when you do your coat check or pay your cover one is green one is red and one is yellow now that you can figure out basically what they mean is green is like, yes, I'm single and looking to mingle. Red is I'm taken or I don't want to meet anyone tonight. Say the fuck away from me. And yellow is eh, maybe after a couple of drinks, I can be fucking convinced. Who knows? So it was one of those one of those parties. So an interesting night. And this being a night where like, I mean, this is far enough into my Ottawa bartending career that everyone fucking knew that Johnny Goats was working on Thursday night. At the, uh, at the drink. So all the bar staff are going to roll through later on in the night. So the night of this party, there was a day party at a friend of mine's house. It was Aaron, Aaron Donnelly. And it was a denim party. So there was like about 15 of us that showed up all dressed in just essentially denim. Like fucking some of the girls made denim bikinis I think I made like denim ashless shorts or something, something that I would have done at that time in my life, something stupid. And we started drinking heavy at like 11 o'clock in the morning, like heavy. I was dripping, tri- drinking triple vodka Red Bulls and shit, just bar staff douchebag drinking. And around one or two o'clock in the afternoon, I was just like, I'm really fucking hungry. I need to go get something to eat. So I walked across the street. I didn't tell anyone I was leaving. So I walked across the street and I went to the McDonald's that was literally like across the parking lot because she lived in downtown Hull as well. And I walked in and I ordered 30 Junior McChickens and 30 uh, cheeseburgers. It was like a hundred dollars. It was like 98 bucks. And they were like, absolutely not. I was like, I'll do it. They're like, you're paying for it like right now. And I was like, yeah, obviously. So I paid it. It was like a hundred bucks McDonald's. Showed back up at the party and 
kind of essentially threw the the bags of food in the middle of 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 the room, and it was like this scrambling pack of hyenas diving and tearing the bags apart and ripping apart the food. That was that was fucking hilarious. So we had some fuel in us so we could keep partying. Now around five or six, I realized I was like, I am absolutely obliterated. I am way too fucked up to be able to go to work, but I have to go to work. Like I have to be there at eight o'clock. That's in about an hour. Like I can't just call in sick now. Plus I'm a manager. It looks bad on me. So in my brain, I was like, I just need something to wake me up, something to sober me up. And that'll get me through the night. Like I'll be able to survive it. I'll be able to survive it. So my natural instinct was to be like, okay, cool. Does anyone have any blow? Like I need a bump. Now, I've never been one of those people who was a regular user. Like there was a point where it like it was pretty common when I was bartending at a particular spot downtown just because it was like a six month period of my life where I was not in a good space. But apart from that, like once in a while, eh, but it's not my thing. Weed's my fucking thing. It always has been my thing, but I can't smoke a fucking joint. That won't sober me up. So I was like, does anyone have like, does anyone have any blow and you just need a bump? I got to sober up. Like I'm fucked. I got to be at work soon. And no one had any Coke, but Aaron, I think it was Aaron or was one of the group of girls said, I don't have like, no one has any blow, but I've got some E no, sorry. Some M like the capsules of M and the only way I can try and justify it is that I think that I thought if I railed it, railing is when you snort it, that it would hit me so fast that I would sober up and I would be okay. I think that's what my fucking drunk mind was trying to justify because I took the cap and I remember doing this. I took the cap and I went into the bathroom and I emptied it onto the counter and I railed the whole thing up my fucking left nostril. And I've never felt a burn in my life like that before, but I did it. Immediately regretted it, instantly. Instantly regretted it. I was essentially blind in my left eye. I was like, oh my God, I feel like my skull is on fire and I have to go to work. So, well, here we go. Pull your socks up, you made the decision, live with it. So I go into work. Now, I remember going into the office and seeing the manager and the manager looked at me and he was just like, are you fucked up? And I was just like, yeah, like, but I'll, I'll be okay. He was like, all right, man, like, just keep it together. I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So he handed me my purple shirt. It was the uniform. It was a purple V-neck. I had my black pants on, black shoes, and I had a purple V-neck. That was my bartending uniform for the night. About right after I got the shirt is when the night gets away from me. We open the doors at nine o'clock. Everything is apparently going fine. Um, by about 10 o'clock, my shirt's gone. My shirt has been taken off and it is somewhere in the crowd, never to be seen again. So that's the rest of the night, I got no shirt. By 11 o'clock, my pants are gone. They are also somewhere in the crowd, never to be seen again. Now, from what people are telling me, it was around 11.30, 
11.37, I think, is when I remember seeing the texts coming in when I checked my phone the next day. So 11.37, that I had my pants off. I had my underwear around my ankles. And Oz, who was my bartending partner, who was the sober one, comparatively, at this point, obviously, was throwing plastic shot glasses at me and I was trying to hit them with my penis. Now, this is behind the bar while we are serving. Like this is during an actual shift. I don't remember any of this. This is just what people were telling me. Now, thank the powers be, thank Allah, thank sweet baby bearded Jesus, that this was before like cell phone cameras were a fucking like everyone had one like where it just came with it this is back in the this is right after like the nokia 5190 days and this is like around the time of the first iphone and most people just didn't have fucking cell phones yet so there were no pictures um but when i woke up the next morning i had about 20 something missed calls about 50-something text messages, which weren't cheap back then. Oh, people telling me what I did, essentially. Um, I got kicked off the bar. I was refusing to let people pay for their bills. I was like, none of my friends are paying for their drinks here tonight. Let's fucking go. Um, so at the end of the night, poor Oz had to close on his own because I had been sent home because I was so fucked up. The bar was short $600, obviously, because I was not charging people for drinks and I was just handing shit out. Uh, the manager was not happy. Oz was not happy. I, I paid him. Like, I was like, I'll pay. I'll, I'll give you. I gave him like 300 bucks. So I was like, I'm so fucking sorry. Um, and I was asked, you know, by the manager next time, just maybe keep my pants on. So... So yeah, I really hope mom didn't listen to that story. That story I've told many times to people in person. I've never told it on a fucking podcast though. So feel free to relive that night with me anytime you want. It was, it was so bad. I was so, I was so banged up. That was like one of the top three times that I've ever been that fucked up behind the bar. So yeah, that was, <laughs> that was story time this week. So I want to thank you guys for bearing with me. I know this episode was a lot slower, a little bit darker than what we're used to. Different pace than what we're normally used to over here at Chewing the Fat. But I want to thank you for joining in. Um, Got a great host next week and a great topic. It's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, Once again, also feel free to check out uh, the website, uh, angrygoats.ca. Your lips look ridiculous. Uh, shirts are available. There's short sleeve, long sleeve, and now we're doing hoodies as well. So check that out, angrygoat.ca, if you'd like to order yourself a shirt. New designs are going to be coming up. I'm working on a whole bunch of stuff right now, though, so bear with me. And I um, hope you guys have a great night, and uh, hope to see you again next week.